You're listening to The Retail Perch with Shekhar Raman and Gary Hawkins. We're going to discuss industry challenges and opportunities in grocery retail, AI, current and upcoming trends, and so much more. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Retail Perch, and uh, we're back with a familiar guest, now our most popular guest on The Retail Perch so far, Gary, but the uh, week's been good, weather's good, all good, Gary, on your end? <laughs> and he's got his coffee mug. That's right. You know, I think uh, Doug's doing a first year. Of course, Doug Maidenberg from uh, Retail Feedback Group is back here as a guest talking about some really interesting topics. I know we've spent the last few weeks talking about some cool technologies about food waste and IOT and some cool screens and all that good stuff. But today, I think we come back to things that maybe a lot of people can directly relate to and some feedback that we've gotten from back on the ground. So uh, welcome back, Doug, to the Retail Perch. Thanks very much. Great to be here, guys. Yeah. And, you know, we were commenting, for those of you who can't obviously see Doug's background, he's got this beautiful painting of his wife's grandmother, that his wife's grandmother made with flowers coming out of Doug's head. So it looks pretty amazing. <laughs> it, it's, it's, I'm very, fer, I'm very fertile up here. I'm sprout, it's, it's, sprouting great ideas. That's it's right. one of that's the better right. Zoom backgrounds, Doug, that I've seen. Natural <laughs> Zoom backgrounds. That's it's right. natural. Right. Yeah. Yes, oh, natural. A lot of virtual ones, of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so Doug, it's been, it's great to have you back here. And I, th- I know we have a lot of really interesting topics that we can get into here, but I thought maybe we can start with you know, I think there's some uh, today, you know, recording this on Thursday, July 28th, and I believe there's some big government reports that's due to come out today about GDP growth, and that's going to decide whether we're officially, in a, I guess, headed for a recession or not. But that notwithstanding, I think in general, last few months, the sentiment out there is that, you know, inflation is kind of running away here. So I'm wanted to put this question to you, which is how do you, how are consumers basically responding to this and how do they think retailers are helping them out in containing some costs on their end? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's it's definitely real in, in the minds of many shoppers. I mean, first of all, it's real as the prices go, right? So inflation is what up over 10% uh, year over year. It's been in that range for a few months now and shoppers are definitely feeling that. And I think the I think the report did come out in terms of negative GDP growth for the second quarter, and if you believe inverted yield yield curves and uh, whatever you're going to believe about uh, the prognostications for the future, it's definitely real in the in the eyes of the shopper right now. And we we did some recent research with shoppers across the country, and to find out what kinds of strategies they are using at their grocery stores to deal with inflationary pricing and inflationary prices, I should say. And um, what we found is over 90% are are using some kind of strategy to help them deal with inflation at the grocery store. So it's not something that, you know, a few people are noticing it. It's really almost universal at this point. And, you know, there's there's the most common, you know, strategies that, that folks are adopting. Probably number one is that they're shopping at different stores. It's not just that they're shopping at their primary store, but they're going to other formats, whether it's, you know, an Aldi or a Costco or a Walmart, in addition to the supermarket they may shop in, you know, most often uh, to pick up prices that they think are sharper or looking at ads more often. 
you know, they're they're buying certain items. And we, we, we've read about this, but it's come out in our survey as well, that they're trading certain items for others. So buying pork instead of beef, for example, uh, to avoid some of those price increases, you know, obviously buying more store brands in, in this environment. And that's good for grocers. There's, there's, there, there's a lot of these behavioral strategies that that grocers are, you know, are cut out to help their shoppers with. And that's, that's a great example of being, you know, having those store brands, food, foods made in store, et cetera, help them deal with it. Interesting. So, so you're almost framing it as if this is a great opportunity for retailers to step in, help out, you know, uh, and especially if you can get people move towards private label store brands, increase margin at the same time you're addressing your shoppers needs. So all in all, I mean, it, Times are challenging, but it seems like there's an opportunity here, a silver lining here for retailers. Yeah, there. Yeah, I would say, and if it's not a silver lining, I think it's certainly a call to action, because what I think the the implication is, the retailers really have to be sharp in terms of how they are, you know, communicating with the, with the customer that that they're on their side uh, when it comes to inflation and helping them get through the day and, and plan meals that are affordable and then are still healthy. You know, one, of the, one of the findings in the study was that one of the strategies employed by shoppers was that they're now purchasing some items that are less healthful, but less expensive, buying fewer organic items and things like that. So not only do, are there going to be probably longer term health implications of that, but that's to me, that's the grocer's opportunity right there to to make sure that they're stepping in and filling that need in terms of knowledge and expertise and and passion for food. Yeah. Uh, Doug, any insights around from shoppers around different retailers loyalty programs? You know, for example, I know those supermarket retailers that offer some type of fuel saving program those things have really caught fire and have grown. A lot more shoppers participating, concentrating their purchases to get those bigger, you know, gas discounts, right? Because fuel is just sky high. Yes, agreed. And and while that wasn't a question on our recent national study, we do a fair amount of research, you know, in different parts of the country to look at uh, supermarkets in different in different trading areas and. We find that mostly uh, consumers believe that their own supermarket, their their supermarket, their primary store that they shop in, does a pretty good job in terms of the value that they offer on their own card. You know, if you ask them if they feel like they get a, get a good value from being a card member or a, a, a card holder, mostly they they agree with that. What they I think agree to a less extent with is, and this is a question we did ask on our national survey, is that we asked uh, shoppers if they agreed that their primary store, their supermarket they shop in most often, shows that it values me as a customer. And um, the the average uh, agreement on that, on a scale of one to five, was only a 3.86. So, you know, you had like over, you know, almost 40% rating that a one to three on a scale of five. So I think it, there's a difference there between pricing and really valuing the, the consumer. And, and I think the, the good retailers show that they do the latter. Yeah. So is that when customers are expressing that, is that a result of service levels, how they're being treated in the store, do you think? Or is it more you know, a, a broader perception of value and what the retailer is doing for them. 
I think it's probably, you know, just what you've said. I mean, I think that, you know, the value proposition, you know, there's a there's a numerator in it too, right? There's not just yeah. the price is the denominator, but the numerator is the quality, the 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 service level, you know, the the in-stock condition, the 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 level of that experience that the supermarket is offering. And um, you know, I, I'd say that that we study a number of different markets and you know, Wegmans is often used as a good example of a retailer that is very well regarded in terms of would people recommend that store to others as a place to shop? And and I think sometimes you lose like exactly why that is. And we've just done some recent research that shows why that probably is, certainly in, in these times, because while a company, while Wegmans scores low comparatively to the other competitors in their markets on everyday pricing and sales uh, sales prices, and even the value that their card provides uh, to that question, Gary. However, they score very well in, do they value me as a shopper? And they score very well in a number of the, the quality areas around the store in terms of fresh departments and, and the experience itself. And so when it comes down to value for the money, they do you know, almost as well as anybody, save let's say Aldi, in terms of that rating of value for the money. Because I think people are using that whole equation, not just talking about prices. So there's, you know, to me, you, you don't want to, as a, as a grocer, you don't want to go down that path of, of only focusing on prices because I think customers in this day and age really do value those other attributes of the value equation. Yeah, no, they, they do. And, you know, to relative uh, Wegmans in, in particular, you know, a phenomenal retailer. I don't think there's really anybody that walks into a Wegmans to shop there that thinks they're going to get the lowest price in town. I mean, you know, their stores are gorgeous, but as you were just saying, the quality of their fresh foods, their selection, prepared foods, you know, their, their service level, they've done a great job with people. It's a it's a great shopping experience, right? And that goes a long way to offsetting that that price. Agreed. And and so when in the in the markets we've recently studied, where we ask if if people if folks think that their supermarket is on their side when it comes to inflation, Wegman's actually scored right at the top of that, right behind Aldi. So mm-hmm. there's a difference, right? And and that's the piece that especially independent retailers can really you know, shine on as far as personal communications with their shoppers and, and making sure that in their stores, they're giving those cues to helping them find the right values and, and not just all across the store, but in specific items. And obviously you guys know more about that than anyone uh, where a retailer, you know, focuses on certain items and, and personalizes those to the shoppers so that the shoppers really feel as if they themselves are getting a good deal. Yeah, I, I think, and, and Shaker, I'm sure can weigh in here. I think this is just like a perfect time for retailers to really go all in on personalization, especially personalized savings. So it's not just, hey, we got the best price in town on Diet Coke. It's we've got the best price in town on the products that are most important to you, Mary and Bob and you know each individual customer. Correct. Correct. No, I think it's a uh... I think you can't put a price tag on how people feel, how you make people feel, right? I think it's very difficult to equate that to a dollar value, but it's massive. I mean, you know, for some people, it's worth a hundred bucks, you know, 
for some people, it's worth more than that. So do you mind paying an extra 20 bucks to feel like a million dollars when you walk out of a store? It yeah. may be very well worth it. And, you know, and in some cases, it may, it may be the cheapest feel good feeling you can possibly buy for yourself. You know, walk into a store, we get a great experience. Uh, and, you know, and I think in this day and age where I think uh, physical interaction has reduced significantly. And these are one of the few places where you are around people. I think making you feel a little extra special is maybe even more valued than it was before, uh, Doug. Yeah, go, go ahead, Doug. Just going to say, couldn't agree more with that. Um, and we have some findings as far as, uh, you know, how folks feel about their, you know, interaction with employees in the supermarket as well. But one, one other sort of angle to it I want to point out is to make sure that supermarkets are fighting the right battle here, right? So rather than just talking about prices and fighting inflation, they really should also be talking about the comparison between the grocery store and the restaurant. And I mean, that's something that was, you know, really fueled the growth during the pandemic. But post-pandemic, I think that there is a comparison to be made between the value you can get from, from shopping in a, in a supermarket and either prepared foods or, or cooking the items yourselves, yourself and buying those same items, having that same meal occasion at a restaurant. And our research you know, has shown that, that customers do believe, and I'm just looking for the exact number here, that if you compare the value of the, like just, just talk about prepared food at a supermarket versus restaurants, you know, almost by a ratio of four to one, consumers believe that there's a better value in supermarkets than in restaurants. And the same thing with healthfulness, that's about three to one ratio in favor of supermarkets over restaurants. Now, taste is only about is only half and half. So it's about even restaurants versus versus supermarkets. And I think that's instructive there. And I think that that kind of is a bit of a roadmap as far as what we need to get better on as an industry. But when you couple that with what shoppers are really looking for, like 77 percent in our recent studies said that they're looking for different recipes to add more variety to their mealtime. And then 63% said they could use more help knowing how to pre prepare meals that are satisfying and healthy. So these are things that we, we, we talked about before. The retailer should be the, the source for knowledge in that. There's value beyond price in those skill in that skill set as a retailer. Yeah. No, absolutely. Just to go back, Shaker, to your comment around, you know, in-person and personal interaction with people in the store, you know, I completely agree that it's just incredibly important. And yet the importance of that sort of spiking right now is really at odds with retailers having such a tough time getting people to work, right? And I've seen in you know a couple of the, the retailers we shop with here in the Denver area, you know, I've seen a noticeable decline in you know just the general quality of the people working in the store, especially on the front lines. You know, even to the point uh, yesterday, I was in you know a, a national chain store here, just buying a few items, went through their self-checkout. And, uh, you know, the first item scanned and then the system locked up and out of the six self-checkout stations, four people all had, you know, their systems lock up, right? Nobody would be found to help. Somebody finally came over after some number of minutes, helped a couple people, got around to me, cleared it. I 
scanned another bottle of water, happened to look at the screen, and it's like the better part of $20. And I noticed there's a couple other items on there. So I call her back over, and she she literally starts yelling at me. You know, like, there's other people here I got to pay attention to, you know, like it was my fault, you know. And and uh, so they, they, retailers are really challenged, I think, right now on the people front. Yeah, no question about it. In fact, I was, uh, we were at a, uh, a resort uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, over the weekend, and they actually had to change the service options at breakfast because they couldn't find enough people to man like the omelet station, right? Yeah. There was no omelet station. And that's yeah. one, of the, one of the things we used to enjoy going back to this place. So, and, you know, I think with all that happening, I think trying to keep service levels up and customer satisfaction in store can be a real challenge. And what do you think, Doug, people are doing out there to kind of solve? Are there any solutions to address, apart from dressing up robots in really sharp dresses? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's definitely a challenge for sure. But I I think the, the key is not to underestimate the value of that positive interaction. And we've done research for years showing the difference in overall satisfaction between an experience where somebody has just one pleasant interaction with an employee versus where they don't. And um, it's it's quite remarkable. It's, it's probably the number one driver that we see of the experience itself. And, and just a little subset of that is in the research that we just did, when we looked at all the cashier transactions versus the self-checkout transactions, overall satisfaction, all else equal, was significantly higher with the cashier than it was in self-checkout. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, and that's, I think that's an important finding because it's one thing everybody talks about eliminating friction. And I'm listen, I'm all for that. But I think the danger in that mentality is that sometimes it's equated with just eliminating contact or humanity. And yep. that is to me the absolute wrong way to go. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think you can't confuse high touch for friction. No, yes. that's right. and Doug, that doesn't that finding does not surprise me a bit. You know, my experience, what I hear from a lot of other retailers, you know, self-checkout systems for the most part really can be a pretty miserable experience. You know, like what I had happened to me yesterday. You know, there, there's really very few systems and retailers that I, I think do a good job there. Yeah. And I think, I think the whole key is, and this is why I think it's a positive development that a lot of retailers are going to that hybrid type of model that could be converted from, from self-check to, to cashier as needed, as long as they're using it correctly, because there's definitely a segment that would prefer get in, get out. I shouldn't say segment because I think that's that's the wrong way to look at it. I think the right way to look at it is there's a, a shopping trip occasion where that's, and same thing with me, that's what I want. There are some, sometimes I want to get in, get out. I've got three items. I'm, I am act, I'm looking for self-check. I hope they have it. I hope it's working. And if it does, great. But then there's other times where I really, I don't want to be um, empty, you know, checking myself out. Also, in most of the self-check stations, you can't fit an entire cart worth of groceries, right? You can only you can only fit five or six in the in the in the quote unquote bagging area. Otherwise, the thing freaks out, right? We see a lot of comments about that in the surveys that we do. Um, 
but absolutely it's that it's that ability to do both like offer a a streamlined experience where that's what's called for but understanding in most cases that's not what's going to be the real satisfier and i always say it's although it's more convenient when i need to to use self check than cashier it's way more convenient to get the stuff delivered from amazon so yes. if we're if we're going to go down that slope you know you really have to take a look at where do we as an industry where are we delivering the most value and in, in an in-store experience yeah yeah. How, how else are you seeing retailers respond to the present environment and, and trying to help shoppers? Uh, I, I think it's I think it's that I've seen, you know, interesting types of communication, good signage. Um, you know, they're I'm plugged into a lot of different retailers in terms of, you know, their email lists and, and cards and social media. And and I think a lot of them are, are trying to, you know, to resonate. And trying to to sort of you know show shoppers that that they're that they're on their side. Uh, I don't know. I don't. My sense is that most retailers are not winning that battle. Right? It's, a, it's not that they're not fighting it, and it's certainly a tough one. But it's a, it's a hard one to really get your arms around totally. And we see that from the sentiment in in all of our customer satisfaction surveys. I mean, we do millions. Of, of satisfaction surveys on individual visits across the US each year. And this last quarter, in fact, these the first half of, of 2022 was really tough for our clients and for others in terms of you know, the, the satisfying their shoppers on, on, the, on the everyday experience because of the environment. And so I, I, I think it's been a, a tough, you know, it's been a tough hand. Uh, that 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 grocer, grocers have been dealt after a couple of years where where they really benefited from external you know factors. Now I think it's yeah. it's 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 hurting a bit, and that's you know I think you got to you got to ride with it. But you know as I was saying, I think you have to compete in the areas that you are skilled at. And to me, if that's showing that you are providing good value and not necessarily the lowest price. Well, value is defined by some of those higher order elements like, you know, passion for food and good quality and good service, those kinds of things. Yeah. So jumping off to a separate topic, you talked about, you know, last couple of years, obviously the grocers had a relatively good time, sales went up, and it seems like it's fed this other perception from consumers, which is they think that the grocers make a ton of money, right, in terms of their margins. Yeah. I think I saw a post uh, from you guys on LinkedIn about that. So tell us a little bit about that. What, what does perception out there look like? Yeah, we're definitely finding that. So we we asked shoppers how much money at the store that they, that they shop in most, most often, what percent do they feel of all the dollars spent at that store, the store takes home at the end of the day after they pay all their expenses and their taxes? And, you know, we know the answer to that is, you know, 1%, maybe the last couple of years, it's been a little bit higher, but it's in the 1% range. And the average answer to that, both in terms of mean and median, uh, was 33%. Wow. So that is a serious disconnect in terms wow. of what our shoppers feel. Because I think what the implication there is that pricing is much more in our control than it really is. Right. So I think it's the, the many shoppers feeling like we just have a pricing strategy because we want to, not because it's the, not because of all the dynamics that are involved in our cost structure and the supply chain, et cetera. 
Hmm. Yeah, they should be really asking that of the gas companies, right? Not, not the not the grocers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, that's right. But, and, and is it? Do you think it's partly because they feel that the service levels don't meet their expectations, and they feel that the retailers are maybe I'd rather make more money than provide you better service type of feeling? I think. Yeah, I think I think what it is, it's a backdrop. And so, so if you if you as a, co- a consumer have that at the back of your mind, then the experiences are going to be biased, clouded by that sort of underlying premise, and it's going to make you as a shopper less patient, more aggravated or annoyed, more on edge, more accusatory. We we see these we see this all the time. I'm just thinking about one shopper who made a comment about um you know about you know their their store being greedy at the customer's expense and i think the the their their point was if i'm buying um food in the prepared foods uh section and it was prepared yesterday even though it was displayed for as as a meal to go or a meal to prepare at home and it was made yesterday why as a retailer are you charging the same price than if you just put that out and made it today and so and the 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 comment was in this economy you're being really greedy at the customer's expense. And so it's it's that backdrop providing all of the potential mistrust. You know, another one I can think of is the types of sales that, and, and Shaker, you'd be able to, to confirm this as well, the types of sales that retailers are providing. So, you know, buy one, uh, buy three, get one, you know, so the, the, you know, the BOGOs, that, that type of incentive where there's a minimum quantity in order to get a price. We see a lot of pushback on that. I'm thinking one comment in particular that really stood out to me in it because it was a, a, you know, what I thought was a fair point as far as what a lot of customers feel, which is why would you have an incentive for me to buy more food when, you know, we don't have it available in the first place and to purchase more than I would want because I can't afford it just to get that sale price. They feel like that's a, that's a, sort of a greedy way of providing sales incentives. And, you know, it's it's just an interesting backdrop. And a lot of customers have these this sentiment that they didn't have that, you know, two and three and five years ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think in general, people want promotions to be simple, right? Like something that's easy to understand that uh, touches yeah. more people. Give me a dollar off, cents off, or buy one, get one free. I think the more complex the promotions, the more unlikely the shopper is to engage or even have the patience to understand and engage with it. Yeah, because yeah. the shopper doesn't want to do that work, right? They don't want to figure out, gee, if it's buy three, get one free, they don't want to do the math. Of, right. you or know, buy okay, this and get that. Right? What, what is it really costing me, right? Yeah. I mean, found years ago, and it was sort of scary, but you know, a lot of people didn't know how to calculator think about a percent off right they were a straight price was much more powerful and effective than you know we're going to give you 10 percent or 20 percent or whatever number off a lot of people couldn't calculate that right right and i think there's there's so much old school tactics in terms of merchandising and pricing and signage etc that we don't even question we don't even challenge because it's we're so used to it like the whole yep. concept of an item being 597 like 
if if you step back for a second, that's insane. Call it six dollars because I, or or better yet, call it five dollars and get a little bit sharper and give a better a real better value on it, right? Because five ninety seven is just and that's I don't like I I realize when you go through the store and you see all these prices that are like that. It's very complicated. There's a lot of you know sort of math being done, and I think it's that same it's that same issue with a, a gallon of gas being X ninety nine. Does it have to be that way? Um, of course, everybody does it, and you can't you can't be the one. Probably couldn't be the one retailer to not. Well, you forgot it's, the third decimal. The gas prices have the third good, decimal. Right? Good point. But but doesn't that but doesn't that sort of go to your trust yeah. in the company? that they can't be honest with you. They can't call it six bucks. They have to call it 597 as if you can't figure out that you're only saving, that's only three cents less than that. It's, I feel like that is so pervasive in the, especially the the food retail shopping experience that we don't even question it anymore. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I agree with you, but that's gonna, that would be a hard sell to change <laughs> in the industry because it, you know, and this has been long sort of proven out there, right? That it's just sort of human nature. You know, I see a price of five ninety seven, and I see a price of six dollars. I'm remembering the five. I'm not right. I'm not thinking about the ninety seven cents. I'm thinking about the five. Yeah. yeah, I'm reading a book right now called The Illusionist Brain. And it's uh, talking about how our cognitive abilities are taken advantage of by magicians to trick us. And it talks about how we process information. And, and this is, you know, I, I think marketing in general has is keenly aware of our cognitive abilities and ability to register information and do math. And, you know, I mean, they take advantage, but I think the smart consumer can figure it out. But I mean, I have another interesting question here for you, Doug, which is that when people get really good high quality service, do they automatically, you think, expect are okay with paying more? I mean, well, if I walk into a Mercedes dealership versus a Kia dealership, you know, there could be, I mean, they're both good, decent cars. One, of course, priced many times higher than the other. Yeah. But when you walk into it, you know, you walk into a plush carpet, you know, better sofas and a whole environment's better. Are you automatically kind of unconsciously expecting to pay more? And maybe that's uh, maybe that's the reason why in-store experience and in-store service uh, can offset pricing in some sense. Well, I think, you know, it probably depends on the certainly in the environment and the shopper. But here's what I do know. If you look at the let's call them a higher order, you know, higher quality, higher service elements of the store experience beyond pricing and so forth. Like if you look at just an item that says, um, for example, my let's talk about um, signature items, right? That's what we call it in the business. But we have a question on our survey that, that says, do you agree that my primary store carries or makes at least one food item that is delicious and cannot be purchased at other stores? Okay, so that in, in, a sense, in essence, that's, you know, does my store carry some signature items, right? If a shopper agrees with that, if they strongly agree with that, their likelihood to recommend that store is four times greater than if they don't strongly agree with that statement. Wow. Right? 
And I could go on. There are many, you know, like like it's not just that. I mean, it's it's, you know, employees at the store prefer, you know, seem to enjoy working there. Um, my primary store shows its passion about food. The store sells items and products that reflect my own family's customs, traditions and heritage. Right. These are all items where that multiple is there. It's three and four times, sometimes almost five times greater their likelihood to recommend that store to others, meaning that that connection is there. So that's what I know from the research is that it does pay dividends to excel in those areas. And it sometimes it's masked by the other dynamics of the environment. Like we know that shoppers might want some of that, but then they're also going to go to Costco if they're throwing a, a graduation party for their for their child and they need good value on a whole bunch of stuff. Right. We know that too. So it's it's it it's it's all of that, but I think that there's a time and a place for all kinds of experiences. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I mean that's that's uh you know uh, I mean I think about uh, my grocery shopping experience and uh in fact yesterday I was uh, uh at a local store and on my way out I only had two items with me, right? But it happened to be 6.30 in the evening, right? And so all the lanes were backed up. There was no self-checkout lane or there were no less than 10 items lane. And I, I didn't have a choice but to get stuck behind waiting for half an hour to get checked out. And I was thinking, why don't they have a self-checkout here? But there are so many times, just like to Gary's point, where, you know what? I got a cart full of items and I don't want to go through self-checkout because I don't want to do all the work. And yeah. I think the there seems like there is a balance between using technology to ease a customer's journey and laying emphasis on human interaction. There is a nice balance between the two that somebody needs to think about, you know, to enhance each trip where I don't feel every time I walk into the store, there's there's not the stress coming on me of, oh my God. You know? yeah. yeah. Well, the thing is, I think, there's a there's a sort of a mistaken notion that it has to be either or right, right? so that in other words you can use a, a cashier checkout and get the full service experience or self checkout and you're on your own and we hope the machine works the way most retailers have it structured is they're smart enough to know that they should have staff in the area of self checkouts in case there should be a problem right yeah. but what we find is that what makes customers the angriest is when they have a technical issue and yet there are people in the vicinity standing around, whether they're talking to each other, whether they're not you know, in tune with what's going on in the experience. That makes them even more angry, A. And B, it says, well, then why aren't they just getting behind a register and helping to check people out? Right. So the, I think in a, in, the, in a perfect environment, you have really in tune employees, associates who are in that area providing, you know, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to, to talk with a shopper, yeah. you know, like have that as they're, as they're checking out. And then if they, if they have an issue, you can step in, but I think it's almost like, okay, well, we're not going to say anything unless there's a problem. And then we're going to swoop in if we see it. It's that to me, that seems like we haven't really figured that out yet, how to coexist with those two experiences. Yeah. I was at Costco earlier this month and, uh, they seem to have done a pretty good job. They, they now have self-checkout machines at Costco's, but there te typically tend to be three or four people who are constantly helping yes. people through the self-checkout. You know, actually, to that to that point, when I said that we found that that um, 
overall satisfaction was greater with cashier checkout than with self-checkout. The one exception to that was in a uh, club store environment where it was actually just as high, if not higher, in a self-check you right, know, yeah. scenario. So I, I, we see that as well. Yeah, because you know when you look at self-checkout and you're going through a club kind of store, you typically don't have just a basket full. You have a cart full of items, right? And uh, and to go through self-checkout can seem intimidating because you just did you walked four miles and got yeah. your ten thousand steps in <laughs> going to the store, and now to go through this checkout experience can be intimidating. So I think they've done a great job of trying to ease that tension where you feel that there's somebody there to help out. Yeah, no, Costco does do a really good job of that. Uh, and the other one I'd call out is Kroger, and again, using technology, right? Kroger, a, a while back, installed an AI system. So you'll notice cameras over the self-checkout area, and they've got an AI system that's watching those transactions. And you know, I think one of you mentioned this earlier. So often you go to a self-checkout, there's maybe only room for one or two bags. And if you've got a cart full of groceries, you're stuck because as soon as you take a bag away, the system locks up. Right. Kroger solved for that through this AI. So now you can fill the bags up, take them off, put them in your cart, keep going. And the, the AI system knows that they've charged you or you know, you've rung everything up. So it does even something little like that makes it experience much smoother. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Doug, can you believe it? This is, is that for, like, is that, is there a time, is there a time up or there's no lightning round or anything? No, there's no <laughs> lightning round. I'd love to have a lightning round. Maybe next time we should next time. come up yes. with the, the shaker Gary lightning round. Question. Yes. You need it. You need yeah. it. Yeah. But you know, uh, Doug, as usual, your insights are fantastic. I love your research and what you guys put out and Thanks. I'm sure this is not going to be the last time you show up on the retail perch. Uh, Appreciate you know, that. I know. You know what? You know what I'm excited about is that I think we're on episode 78 or 79. I can't believe we actually lasted this long. But it's amazing, guys. That's <laughs> oh, it, come on, Jake. It's, 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 it's not because it's I not because the listeners lasted this long. I was I'm more surprised that I lasted this long. <laughs> that so. is great. Well, I so some I'm figuring around 100 ish. You know that sounds yeah. like that uh, sounds like my episode. I'll be looking forward that's, to that. That and seems then, like about it, right? One every 25 episodes, there'll be a retail feedback group, and you that's know. It. I, I think the insights have been fantastic. I think if you're a retailer listening out there, there's a lot of bits that you want to think about and uh, you know mull over because I think the next 12 months are going to be interesting uh, for retail. I think it's a great opportunity for them to step up and show what they can do for customers to kind of ease the pain. But at the same time, I think it's an opportunity to lock in customers. If you're able to win and effectively uh, execute on some of your ideas, this is a great time for you to grow as a retailer. Right. Yeah. So well, that, that's right. So Shaker and, and Stephanie, when you listen in here, you got to be thinking about what we're going to do for the hundredth episode. There's got to be some special exactly. fireworks. Or something. Exactly. exactly. Very much so. And and sort of SNL style, my fifth time, I want the jacket. Is it? <laughs> working on it. We're working on new merch, Doug. We're working on new merch. Okay, right. excellent. Yeah. Maybe merch, what merch. we'll do for the hundredth episode, Gary, is we'll get our top. 10 guests all together in one Zoom call and have like a major round table. That, 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 that could be neat. That could be that, fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. yeah. 
Yeah. Well, Doug, thank you so much again for being a guest on the Retail Perch. Enjoyable conversation as always, and uh, hope to have you back soon. And I want to thank everybody out there who's continued listening to us and supporting us, and Stephanie for putting this whole show together. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Make sure to join us every Monday and connect with us at The Retail Perch on Instagram and Facebook. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at theretailperch at birdseye.com. Until next time, this is Shaker. And this is Gary, signing off. 